Our new sermon series is called Live Free. Live Free. And we are coming out this month out of the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 13. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and my sisters. And tonight, what I want to talk about is biblical freedom. Biblical freedom. We just celebrated our nation's independence uh, this past Sunday, we had church. Then after church, we were at, many of us were at barbecues, and we got to see the fireworks, whether you went somewhere or they were there at your house. But we got to experience or we got to celebrate our nation's birthday. We got to celebrate the freedoms that we hold so dear. We are a blessed people to live in a free country. And for many of us, I think we can forget or take for granted the freedoms that we enjoy so, so casually, so easily. We are blessed. I like what um, the beginning of the Declaration of Independence says, the first few lines. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, meaning humanity, mankind, are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And what a revolutionary idea that freedom doesn't come from man, it doesn't come from government, but it comes from God himself. That God created us to be free, that God created us to have liberty. We are a free people. You know, we've been set free by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ and we are free to worship God. We're free to come into the house of God and worship him openly. We're free to go out and speak the name of Jesus. We can stand on a street corner and preach Jesus. We can witness on the bus or on the train. We can, without fear, we can be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's an awesome, awesome thing that we have here, this freedom. I think that's why we should remember to keep our our country in prayer, to keep the freedoms that we hold so dear in prayer. This sermon series, though, it's a reminder to God's people that we are promised freedom through Christ and that this freedom means we can experience deliverance from sin and the liberty to serve God and others. And because we have such a wonderful liberty that there are certain expectations that come along with such Freedoms. In the book of John, chapter 8, verses 31 and then 36, our text for this evening, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In verse 36, it says, so then, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. You are free indeed. Can we pray this evening? Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have in you, Lord. The liberty that we have in you, Lord, to just love you, to worship you, to hear from you tonight, God. And we ask and pray, Lord, that there would just be, Lord, a, a spirit and a heart, Lord, that would just uh, receive from you tonight, Father God. That, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, Father God, for your gift, my God, of salvation, God. And ask and pray that tonight, Lord, you would just speak to that individual who might not know you, Father God. That there would be a tug on that individual's heart, Father God, and Lord, they would experience uh, freedom tonight. In Jesus' name, I thank you. And we all say, amen. amen. You know, freedom is the birthright of every Christian. 
as a born-again believer, your birthright is freedom. It's liberty. It doesn't matter where you were born, whether you are a, a, a citizen of this country or that country. It, our freedom isn't contingent on where we're born or where we're from because uh, the Bible says that we're citizens of heaven. And so we have the rights of heaven. We have the rights as born-again believers. We have liberty. We have deliverance. We have uh, the salvation that comes as a born-again Christian, as a child of God. More than any political or economic freedom, we have a biblical freedom. A biblical freedom. We've been given free will. When God created us, uh, he created us with the free will. That means that we can choose. We can choose to receive his message, to his son. We can choose to receive or we can choose to reject. It's a free will that he has given to us. And in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 19, it says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. We have that uh, word there that tells us, uh, you know, we have a decision. Each and every one of us are faced with decisions daily. And you're saying that uh, when you make this decision, weigh, weigh it out and choose life. Choose what the word of God brings. The word of God brings life it, because it not only just affects you, but it affects your children. The decisions that you make, it has an impact on those around you. And the word of God is, is encouraging us, choose life. Choose what is right. Choose the blessings of God. When we come to that place in our lives, many of us have, and where we were confronted with the gospel message of Jesus Christ, where we make that decision to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, there's something supernatural that took place, whether you might have felt it or not, but there was something supernatural that took place in your life. And what that was was uh, there was a breaking of the enemy's stronghold in your life. When you come to Jesus Christ and you receive him as Lord and Savior, you are no longer under the enemy's power or, or control. He no longer has a right to you, but now you're a born-again child of God. You are under the blood of Jesus. Now you belong to Christ. You belong to God. You are his child. book of Isaiah 26 verse 3 he says you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you what what is that perfect peace well it's freedom from fear it's freedom from worry it's freedom from the anxiety that the enemy would want to place into your life. It's freedom from depression and freedom from oppression. It's freedom from doubt. It's freedom from torment. Because this is what the, uh, the enemy would want to place upon our lives. And when we, the Bible says, fix our eyes, when we lock our, our thoughts and our minds on the things of God, on Christ, on his word, we're kept in perfect peace. We don't have to experience these, these, these torments that the enemy would try to bring against our life, these anxieties, uh, the head trips, the mind trips, as they say. We keep our eyes focused on Christ. And we meditate on his word day and the night. And there's a renewing that takes place, a, a cleansing that takes place in our minds. There's a healing that takes place in our souls. There's a deliverance that begins to take fold in our lives. 
many countries in their early existence, they make a declaration. United States made a declaration. Mexico made a declaration. And what they said was, uh, we declare our independence, that we're no longer going to be under the rule of a foreign country. We're no longer going to be subject to, to their laws and their, their tyranny. And they wanted a declaration of freedom. And can I tell you that we need to make those declarations of freedoms in our lives? If you're not saved, you need to make a declaration and say, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And if you are saved, but you're battling and you're in that battle, you need to make a declaration. Devil, you don't own me. Devil, you don't have victory in my life. Devil, you are defeated. As a parent, you need to make that declaration. You might have a child that's just maybe keeping you on your knees, if you know what I mean, and keeping you in prayer. And you need to declare God, I declare my child for your kingdom. I declare my son and my daughter to be a servant in the house of God. I declare my spouse who might not be serving you that they're going to be in here sitting here next to me. Those declarations of freedom, of independence, uh, to tell the enemy that he is defeated. At the end of our service tonight, at this altar call, we're going to have an opportunity to make some declarations. Biblical freedom allows us to make these declarations because of Jesus Christ's redemption. We're able to make the declaration because of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives. See, biblical freedom is freedom from sin. And that word sin, what it is, is an archery term, which means missing the mark. You miss the bullseye. It means falling short of perfection and the holiness of God. What sin is, it's, it's rebelling against God. It's transgressing his law or willfully crossing lines that we know we shouldn't be crossing. Sin is wickedness. It's hypocrisy, perversion, drunkenness, ungodliness, lawlessness, and unrighteousness. Sin is a result of the decisions that we make and the, deci- and the actions that we take against God against a perfect and holy God. From the very first act of disobedience, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, uh, we've all been missing that mark. Adam and Eve, they were given everything that they needed. All their needs were met. Everything was provided for them. And they were given free reign of the garden. But God said there's just one one tree, you can eat of the, of the tree of life, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I'm, I'm not allowing you to eat from that tree. I'm not allowing you to eat from that fruit. That fruit is, is not for you, and he, and he purposely withheld that from Adam and Eve. And can I tell you that with God, he just doesn't arbitrarily do things. He just didn't withhold it from them for the sake of withholding it from them. But God is sovereign, and he knows all, and he sees all. And God doesn't hold anything back from us that's good. He's a blesser. And the Bible says that all good and perfect gifts come from him, that our needs can be met. But there's times where there's things that we might want, that we might be praying for, that God says, I cannot give this to you. Not now, not yet, because it's not for you. And there's a protection that comes in us obeying God. There's, a, there's a, a, a covering that comes over our lives when we heed that word, when we say, okay, God, I'll back off of that. There's a God in heaven that loves us. 
and desires the best things for us. And there's sometimes that God's saying, just this isn't for you. And we have to be at that place where we can say, I'm fine with that. Adam and Eve, they weren't, though. Because this is what the serpent came in and, and tempted him with. And says, why would God withhold this from you? And why would God keep this from you? And, you know, and begins to dis- bring the deceit and the lies into their lives. And they, they ended up uh, eating of that fruit. And immediately... You know, the Bible says that their eyes were open, and now they felt the shame of being naked. And here's the enemy, that the very thing that uh, he tempted them to do, he began to condemn them. And, you know, if you, if you read in that story in, the, in, in Genesis chapter 3, the decision that they made just didn't affect them, but it affected their children. You, you read in the very next chapter where Cain and Abel, two brothers, and one is killing the other. You're saying, Brother Manny, I thought you were talking about freedom. I am. I'm just laying a foundation. See, the Bible teaches that we're all sinners. We're going to go down the Roman road real quick here. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. And even on our best day, and even on our most righteous day, the Bible says that those righteous, that our righteous deeds, it's like filthy rags. Because of the sin that has taken place in in our lives, there's a separation that takes place, that we're separated from God because God, he's holy, and he's just, and he's righteous, and he can't okay sin, and he can't condone it, and he can't say they're there. There's a perfect God in heaven, and he loves us, but our sin keeps us from experiencing him to the fullness. If unrepented, we can become slaves to that sin. In the book of John Chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. It is said that sin is first pleasing, then easy, then delightful, then frequent, and then habitual. The pleasures of sin, they are fleeting, the Bible says, says and sin's end goal is and will be, always be destruction it teases and it gives you a little taste of pleasure but sin is deceitful and it's a hard taskmaster and it will ultimately destroy our lives book of romans chapter 6 verse 23 it says for the wages of sin is death a wage is what is owed to you it's a wage is what you earn. It's what you have coming to you. It's a settling. It's a reckoning, a reckoning. And someone said, you cannot be a servant to sin and expect not to receive its payment. The wages of sin is death. But, someone say but. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news tonight. That's the gospel, the gift of God. That word that uh, the Apostle Paul uses for gift is the same word for grace, the grace of God. It's the gift of God that gives us eternal life. That means that we can't earn it. Like grace is unmerited favor. we got to receive that gift. Uh, His son, Jesus Christ. uh, The Bible doesn't say it's your 
the, the wages of your righteousness is eternal life. It doesn't say the wages of your good living is eternal life. It says the gift of God is eternal life. We're talking about Jesus tonight. He's the one that sets us free. He's the one that breaks those chains of sin. He's the one that came in and, and paid the penalty for our sin. Everything wrong that we've ever done uh, was on the cross. When he said it's finished, that means he completed the work. And on that third day when he resurrected, he defeated death. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 and 57. He says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. What an awesome thing, man. That God is greater than death. That God is greater than sin. That God is greater than bondage. That God is greater than any captivity that the enemy would try to place on us. That through Jesus Christ, the power of the enemy was rendered it's the word I'm looking for. Powerless. That's an awesome God that we serve, man. That's an awesome God that we serve. You know what else God is greater than? He's greater than any condemnation that we could wrestle with. He's greater than condemnation. And biblical freedom is freedom from condemnation. Condem the word uh, condemn, condemnation, uh, it means to pronounce, to be guilty, or to sentence to punishment to pass judgment against. The word condemn also means to judge unfit for use or service. And I think sometimes, if we're honest, that's where many of us can wrestle, is the condemnation that the enemy would try to bring against our lives, our past failures, our, our hang-ups, whatever it might be. Because none of us are perfect. There's only one perfect, and that was Jesus. And there's times where we're just going to blow it. There's times where we're going to maybe respond wrong or, you know, that coworker, that neighbor who's got that loud music and you're trying to sleep and rather than politely asking them to lower it, you're yelling out the window. And the enemy would say, really, you call yourself a Christian. How can you be used and those little lies and those little seeds that he would try to plant and, and, and try to get us to feel that we're not worthy or, or we're not fit for the kingdom use. Uh, I tell you what, uh, none of us are, but it's the blood of Jesus that washes us, that makes us clean, that makes us whole. And it's that consecration, that, that sanctification process that God says, I'm going to use you in spite of your hangups and in spite of your shortcomings uh, because there's something greater inside of us uh, than there is in this world, and that's Jesus, the Spirit of God, you know, that he's able to use you and I. Ordinary people, ordinary individuals, he's uh, able to use us for his honor and for his glory and for his kingdom. Look around. Look around. We're all, each and every one of us are a miracle of God. Each and every one of us uh, has something that God wants to do and use in our lives uh, to bless and encourage and to help each other, one another. We got to remember that old things are passed away. All things become new in Christ Jesus. 
That old man is dying daily, man. And there's a new man being reborn every single day, I really believe. And get up in the morning and you thank God for a new day and ask God to help you throughout that day to make wise decisions, to choose life, to make right choices. Not only do we have freedom from sin and the condemnation, but we have the freedom to experience all that God has for us. The Bible says Jesus came to give us that life and life in abundance. We are able to experience the freedom of forgiveness. And not just the forgiveness that we receive from our sins, but the forgiveness that we're able to give others that might have offended or sinned against us. Because you know what will rob your freedom? is unforgiveness. Forgiveness will rob you of your freedom that you have in Christ, and it'll put you in a spiritual prison because uh, you're no longer free to just enjoy the things of God, but you're now stuck there and thinking about what was done to you and what they said or what they did. And when you're able to forgive, when you're able to place that in the hand of the, of the Father and say, God, I don't want this. I'm giving it to you, and I forgive this individual. You know what that does? There's a breakthrough that takes place in your life. There's a freedom that occurs in your life. Uh, there's a liberty that takes place now, and you're able to enjoy God and the things of God. We're able to have the freedom to experience salvation, love, peace, joy, goodness, and the fulfillment that comes through Jesus. We're freed from sin, and we're freed to experience uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're free to experience God. We're free to experience his love and his peace, his joy, all that he has intended for us. You know what else we're free to experience is that personal, intimate, close relationship with God, that we, no matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, we can come to that that secret place, as they say, where we could get a hold of God, where we can just begin to cry out, God, this is what's been going on, or God, my marriage, or my kids, or my health, or whatever it is that you might be facing or wrestling with, that we have that freedom to come into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, and begin to cry out as a, as a daughter or as a son would to their, to their parent, to their father. We have the freedom, biblical freedom, is the freedom to do what is right. To do what is right. In the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 12 and 14, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Here, Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, he's talking to this church, and he's saying, You've been set free in your freedom. Your freedom isn't so that you can just uh, do whatever you want. But your freedom is to, so that you can serve God and you can serve others. And be careful with the choices and be careful with the freedom so that you don't end up uh, being back in a yoke of slavery. You know what a yoke is? is that 
piece of wood that would be that would connect two animals together and they would uh, be used for plowing or digging up the dirt. And when one animal was yoked to another one, it was always the more dominant animal that would control the less dominant animal. And the Bible is saying, don't get yourself into a yoke of slavery again where you find yourself uh, doing the things that you, you, you used to do and the things that you know that you shouldn't be doing. But what, what are you supposed to do instead is yoke yourself to Jesus. He says, Take my yoke upon you, right? If you're tired and you're weary, he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I tell you what, man, I'd rather be a servant to Christ and yoked to Jesus than, uh, than, than to be a slave to sin because it's a harsh and hard taskmaster. Charles Kingsley, he said, there are two types of freedom. Two types of freedoms. The false, where man is free to do what he wants or likes. And the true, where man is free to do what he ought. See, biblical freedom is not a free pass to live as you want without uh, worry or consequence. That's not freedom. That's called immaturity. And immature freedom, it rejects rules and it rejects discipline. It sees morality and discipline as restrictive and even oppressive. It's what the strategy of the enemy is. And you could see it in this world today that people want freedom, they say. But what they want is a license to live as they want, as they want to live without being judged or without having to face any kind of consequence. They want a freedom from God and the things of God. They want a freedom that really isn't a freedom, but it's a, as they, this individual says, it's an immature freedom. See, discipline is not the enemy of freedom. Discipline in one's life allows you to experience the ultimate freedom. Discipline actually paves the way for freedom. Jocko uh, Willink was a 20-year Navy SEAL veteran. He's a best-selling author. He's a motivational speaker. And he was asked uh, if there was a link between discipline and freedom. And he said this. He said, while discipline and freedom seem like they sit on opposite sides of the spectrum, they are actually very connected. Freedom is what everyone wants, to be able to act and live with freedom. But the only way to get to a place of freedom is through discipline. If you want financial freedom, he says, you have to have financial discipline. If you want more free time, you have to follow a more disciplined time management system. And I would even say that uh, if you want to experience the fullness of God's freedom in your life, each and every one of us need to learn how to say no to some things. We have to say, learn how to say no to the flesh. We all know what the flesh is, right? to self-indulgence. We have to say no to greed and worldliness. We have to say no to laziness and time wasters. Last night we were in San Pedro and one of the sisters there was praying and we found our, my wife and I found ourselves just agreeing with her prayers because in her prayer she says, Lord, people are lazy, Lord. 
help them to be active in the kingdom of God. And I was just thinking, man, like I'm, I'm just agreeing with her prayers at this point now, you know. We have to learn how to say no to bad company. You know what the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character, good morals, right? Just think about what your grandmother used to say. You lay down with dogs, you wake up with fleas, right? Tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. That's, that's wise wisdom. And there's times where you might be saying, but, you know, that's my friend or whatever. But you, you got to look at the fruit that's taking place in their lives. And do you want that in your life? Do you want that in your life? Because who we hang around with and parents, who your children hang around with, it's important. It's important. We want the best that God has. Sometimes we need to learn how to say, nope. Not today. You want to hang out? Come to church. Hang out with me at church. We got to learn to say no to pettiness and jealousies. We got to learn to say no to resentment, bitterness, and unforgiveness. See, all these things, it'll rob you of, the, of your spiritual freedom. It'll rob you of the, of the freedom that you have in Christ. Being free doesn't mean just being able to say no. It also means being able to say yes to some things. We can say yes to forgiveness. We can say yes to repentance. When the Spirit of God deals with us and says, let's talk about this issue, we have that liberty, that freedom to complain and repent. We have the liberty and the freedom to walk in humility, to be humble. We have the liberty to give. We could give of our time. We can give of our talents and our resources. We have the freedom to give. We have the freedom to study, to pray, and to fast. Next week, uh, we have our three-day fast in getting ready for the summit. And I encourage you, you know, to, to, to get on board with that. You might be thinking, what is that? What is fasting? It's not eating. It's, it's more than not eating. It's getting a hold of God. It's asking God to move and, and to uh, soften our hearts that we would be open and ready for Uh, the messages that would be coming through the summit conference. It's praying that God's will would be done in our lives. It's, It's at time to just seek the presence of God. We have the freedom to be led and to be directed by God. So I bring this down to a close. Salvation, it's just the beginning. That moment where we get saved, that moment when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and, and we're free from the grip of sin and the penalty of sin, that's just the beginning. There's this long process that God wants to take us through. It's a journey. It's a walk. It's a, it's a relationship that we are in with him. And, and day by day, there's uh, things that God will be doing in our lives. We got to make sure that we don't leave these certain things, that these issues that God brings to light, that we don't leave them unchecked or unrestrained. Because uh, as, as the Bible says, it's those little, those little foxes that spoil the vine. It's those little issues. It's those little things. It's those little nagging things that the Spirit of God says, hey, stop. This is going to bring you into the wrong direction. It's those things that we need to deal with. Someone said, it took one night to take Israel out of Egypt, but 40 years to take Egypt out of Israel. See, Israel, you read in the book of Exodus how they were under the oppression of Pharaoh and all that God did and how he delivered them and how he brought them out of, uh, 
out of that uh, bondage and that slavery, and, and, and they were now free. They were free to worship God. They were free to serve God. They were free people, and what did they do? They, they, they wrestled with that freedom because they began to complain and argue and whine, and they even longed for Egypt and built themselves idols. They took their eyes off of God. They took their eyes off of what God had done in their, in their lives. See, there's paradoxes in Christianity. When you give, you receive. When you die, you live. And when you make yourself a servant of God, when you make yourself a slave to Christ, as the Bible says, when you surrender your will to his will, that's when you experience freedom. That's when you experience the liberty that God promises. That's when you're able to experience the fullness of his joy. As our worship team comes up, the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verse 45, says, I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. Here, the psalmist, he understood the connection between obeying the commandments of God, obeying the word of God, and living by a righteous guideline. And that connection with freedom. And the Bible says as he devoted himself to these things, he was able to walk in the freedom that God had for him. He was able to walk in the liberty that God had given him. I want to end with this story. It was a little video that I saw. It was about a man and his family. The man's name was uh, Tahar. He's from Iran. And he and his family, they were born... um, in the Islamic faith, and they converted to Christianity. He began to have Bible studies, and he began to have um, Bible studies at his home, and he began to outreach uh, to the extent that he could in Iran. And as he was serving Christ and as he was serving others, um, the authorities caught wind of it. And so early one morning while he was at work and his family was at home, the... uh, Secret police there, they raided his home. They raided his family and and just demolished the house. They were searching for uh, Christian paraphernalia, so Bibles and crosses and pictures of him and his family with other Christians and pastors. They confiscated these items. And they called him up at work, and they told him, you need to come home. And frantically, he he, went home, and, and they said, are you a Christian? And he said, yes, I am a Christian. My family, we are Christians. And what they did was they put him in handcuffs and they put a blindfold or they put a sack over his head. And he said that it was at that moment, it was at that moment when he was handcuffed, it was at that moment when his physical freedom was now taken away from him. He said it's at that moment that he felt Jesus standing beside him. They took him to a, a cell and they interrogated him. And what they wanted him to do was they wanted him to give up other Christians. They wanted him to give up other Christians, and they wanted him to renounce his faith, which is something that he wasn't willing to do. And they put him in a cell, and he said that while he was in this little jail cell, that he began to write scriptures on the walls. And he says, and the reason I wrote scriptures on the walls is because I knew that there would be other people like me in this same cell once I was gone. They took him to court, and He stood before the judge, and the judge told him, the charge against you is apostasy. 
you were born, you know, a Muslim and you converted to Christianity. And because of your apostasy, your sentence is death. It's execution. And really the only way to, to get his freedom back was to renounce his faith and to give up the Christians. And he asked the judge, he says, can I have five minutes with my wife? Just five minutes. And he went out and, and he prayed with his wife. They prayed for the judge and, and they came to an agreement that they were not going to bow, that they were not going to renounce their faith, that they, if it meant to the end, it meant to the end. He went back into the courtroom and the judge handed him a piece of paper and he said, write what I'm asking you to write. And Tahar said he wrote three words. God is love. It's what he wrote down. And he signed his name to that. And he gave that paper to the judge. And the judge looked at it and he, he says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm giving you your freedom today. I'm giving you your freedom. Yeah. And Tahar and his family, they went back to serving God and to ministering. And, and as I was reading that, it dawned on me that the judge might have had his physical freedom but he didn't have his spiritual freedom. That before the judge could have pronounced anything, he was already free. He had already purposed in his heart and in his mind that he was going to serve God until the very end. And he was free. He was free indeed because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Not his faith in, 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 in the system that was holding his freedom over him, but faith in the Lord of Lords faith in the king of kings and he was ready in church we've been given such a beautiful freedom the freedom to love god the freedom to worship god the freedom to be in this beautiful presence we can't take that for granted second corinthians 3 verse 17 says this for the lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the lord is there is freedom there is liberty ah oh, church what a blessed freedom that we have. And this whole month, uh, we're going to be hearing messages on freedom. We're going to be hearing the messages on the freedom that Christ gives, uh, its purpose, its, its responsibility, why we've been given such, such a wonderful freedom, church. Invite people to come on out. Invite your friends and your neighbors, because I guarantee each and every one of us have something to gain and learn from this. As We can have our heads bowed and our eyes closed in reverence to God tonight.